Philippians chapter 1 this morning. And our text this morning is found in verse 27 through 30. In Philippians chapter 1, if you have it, say, I got it. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 1, and starting at verse number 27, it says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today, God, for all that you've done up to this point. But Father, we know we're not done yet, God. you got more in store today for every one of us. I pray, God, that we go after you, God, with no holds barred. And Father, we don't allow the enemy to distract us, God. We come against the tactics of the enemy today. Father, I pray that we would guard our hearts and our minds and Father, that your word would find residence here in our lives today. Father, we want all that you have in store for us. We're not satisfied. We don't want just some same old Sunday morning service. But we want to sense your power and your presence and your Holy Spirit in this place and all over us, God. Father, minister to us. You know the needs of your people. And Father, you're greater than all those needs combined. You are an all-powerful God. There's no shortage in your power all power is at our display here today. Let us tap into it and believe that here today. And we ask this and we're careful to give you all the honor and all the glory. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated today. The title of my message briefly is just Essentials to Victory. Essentials to Victory. See, we're never promised a rose garden on earth regardless of our choice of work or labor or vocation, etc. Because how many guys know life will always have its ups and downs? Come on, I said, how many guys know life will always have its ups and downs, right? It's just sometimes it seems like there's more downs than ups. Or is it just me? Sometimes there's, I don't know what you did, but turn it back. Whatever you did, you turned the monitors completely off. There's more downs. There you go. There's more downs than ups, it seems like, right? Come on, don't, don't get distracted. I just prayed against distractions. Stay with me. We're going somewhere. Just put your seatbelt on. Amen. But how many guys know that in life, it seems like there's a whole lot of downtime where we go down and down and down. And sometimes it's like, man, can a brother, can a sister just get a break? Can I have a little more uptime? You know, can, can I just get a little break? Can, can you just breathe on me a little bit, Lord? Can I, I just touch the hem of your garment? How many guys know what I'm talking about? But there's some essentials that we need to victory. I, I don't want to live. I refuse. I refuse. Everybody say refuse. I refuse to live in defeat. I refuse to live like I used to live. I, used, I refuse to live discouraged and dismayed and defeated and downtrodden and dead spiritually. I refuse to live like I used to live. 
See, the enemy was able to, to have me to live like that and pull my strings and, and you know, kind of dictate and direct my life. But how many guys know that, that we know better nowadays? Come on, we know that he's a defeated foe. He's under our feet. He literally has no power but the power that we give him. I, I don't think you hear me today. I think the fumes in here from all the beautiful work that we've done have just kind of, you know, got you a little woozy today. But I said, how many guys know the devil should have took us out when he had a chance? He should have took us out when we were on his side. He should have used some friendly fire and took us out. Because if you're like me, we, we don't know too much now. We know a little bit more than what we used to know. We know the tricks that he uses. He can't use the same old no more on us no more. But I refuse to live the way that I once lived. I'm not lost and bound no more. I'm not the enemy's puppet no more. He can't tell me to jump and I say how high and just jump. He can't tell me to do this and do that. And I'm going to do this, drink this, smoke this, hurt this, cheat here, cheat there. He can't do that to me no more. I've been blood washed. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. And God orders every step that I take. But there's some essentials to victory that Paul the Apostle gives us in our text. But in the book of Job, chapter 14, verse number one, it says, man born of woman, and I don't care what they say nowadays, but we're all born of woman, amen, somebody. Man born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble, full of trouble. Some of us, I don't know about you, but your name may have been trouble at one time. We used to say trouble just has a way of following me around. And that may be true once in a while, but most of the times we look for trouble. We look for trouble. And sometimes trouble would just find us anyways because man born of, of woman, you know, is full of trouble. There, there's going to be trouble in this life that we live. Whether we're serving God or not, we're going to go through some things. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Chapter 2, verse number 23, it reads like this. All his, other words, man's, all his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. But how many guys know that, that God is able to give us that peace of mind? God is able to give us that peace that surpasses all understanding. But if we allow the enemy and we allow worry, we allow lack of faith to take rest but we don't have to live like that no more we don't have to stay up all night no more like somebody's house and they're here today they have a plaque or they had a plaque that you know give your worries to God because he's up all night anyways there's no reason for you and I to stay up all night God is up he never sleeps nor slumbers you might as well give your worries to God and let God stay up all night because he's up all night anyways. Let him deal with those things. And let's get that rest. Anybody need some rest? I know I do. I need some rest, man. We put some work in. Why don't we give everybody the men's home and, you know, uh, Brother Lewis and Sister Erica. Let's put our hands together for them. And uh, the other day we were here till midnight to midnight. Me and my wife were here to one o'clock in the morning last night. 
But we're just getting the final touches on the house of the Lord. We want to make sure that you can come and have a place that feels like home. You can come and feel the peace of God. You can see a little bit of the beauty of God. You can be able to say, you know what? There has to be a God. Come on, all you got to do is, you ain't got to look too far. Look down, look up, look to the left and the right. There has to be a God because how else are we doing this? I don't think you hear me. I said there has to be a God. There's no way for us to fathom or to calculate or understand how we're doing what we're doing other than the fact that there is a God and he's right here and he's the one that's leading us and guiding us and his will is going to be done. But we don't have to worry. Stay up all night. Get some sleep. Go Mimi's. Amen, somebody? Just not right now while I'm preaching. Praise the Lord. But all his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. See, that doesn't sound very good. Even at best, though, the reality is life is tough at times. Can anybody say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. I have an illustration that I came across and I thought it was fitting. So just bear with me as I read it. But in Wasilla, Alaska, a 50-year-old hunter says he can laugh about it now. But he sure wasn't laughing then. Bill Murphy survived an attack by a grizzly bear one month while he was hunting on a remote trail in Alaska. Murphy says he used duct tape, stay with me, to bind his bike wounds, then rode an all-terrain vehicle to his pickup truck and drove himself to a hospital. The hunter says the attack happened when he surprised the grizzly cub and its mother. He says the mother bear quickly pinned him face down, clamping his jaws around his shoulder and shaking him like a rag. He says he felt teeth pressing on his skin, then a pop as they sliced through. The bear then let go, standing over Murphy and panting and drooling on his head. It then moved away. Murphy says he has no idea how long the attack lasted but says it felt like two lifetimes. See, I say that and I use that for this. I'm not sure that, that none of us would have wanted to trade places with this individual. However, do you realize that every day we're engaged in a ferocious battle for our lives? See, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, it says, be self-controlled and alert. In other words, stay focused. Be alert, be ready, because your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Make no mistake about it, the enemy is zeroed in on you, even in here this morning. And he wants to take you out. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life and the life of your family. He's not happy with you. He doesn't want you to come to church. He doesn't want you to serve God. And he has his focus on you. And he wants to devour you. He wants to pounce on you. He wants to take you out. That's why you have the thoughts that you have. That's why sometimes you feel the way that you feel is because the enemy wants to take you out. But you got to stay focused. You got to lock in this morning. You got to be focused and say, you know what, man? I'm locked and loaded and I'm ready to go and do whatever I got to do. But I, me and my household, me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Amen. 
Be self-controlled and alert. Are you alert this morning? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion. A roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for you this morning. He's watching you. See, we're engaged in a ferocious battle with our enemy who roars like a hungry lion or perhaps comes at us like an angry bear. We're also engaged in a battle against this world that we live in. We have three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But in 1 John, turn there quickly in chapter 2, verse number 15 and 16. It reads, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of a sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. See, the world with its desires and ideas is trying to seduce us and draw us away from God. Get at him as soon as you can. Because he's trying to draw you away from God. We're engaged in a battle whether we realize it or not. Some of you may be new, brand new in the faith. You never stepped foot in a church until you stepped through these doors. But you realize it when you stepped through those doors and you gave your life to the Lord. You made a stance against the enemy. You made a commitment against the enemy and said, I'm going to serve God. And since that day, the enemy wants to take you out. He doesn't want you. He doesn't want us to build a church. He doesn't want us. He's not happy with us. He is not happy with us. But that means we're doing our job. He's not supposed to be happy with us. We're supposed to take some of his chosen ones, some of his soldiers, his lieutenants, his captains, and we're supposed to utilize them to go back into the highways, in the byways, and reach those family members, those drug addicts, those gang members, those that are still lost and bound. We're supposed to go back out there and reach them for the honor and the glory of God. And he knows that we're a threat to him. And when you become a threat, He's focused on us. He doesn't like us. He doesn't want you here. He wants to take me out. But it's okay. I don't like him either. And I know that I got Jesus, the spirit of the living God that's inside of me. And because of that, all no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Stronger is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Uh, I'm no longer the tail, but I'm the head. The devil is under my feet. And I know that he's the father of lies. And he can lie to me all he wants, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. He can lie all he wants. Oh, you'll never build a church. The people don't even like you. It's all right. If that's a lie or true, amen, somebody. <laughs> that's a lie, though. But the devil is a liar. Come on, let's tell him. The devil's a liar. Come on, say it like you mean it. The devil, you're a liar. He's a liar, man. He, he's just, man. You know, he says, man, you know what? You're spending too much time serving God. You need a little bit more time over here. You need some leisure time. You need some R&R. Rest and relaxation. Yeah, that's true. But we need to be revived. Huh? Refueled. That's what we need. We don't The R&R that we need is not just rest and relaxation. We need to go back to the well that never runs dry. We need to continue to be about our Father's business. We need to focus on God. And God will take care of everything else. Sometimes, you know, it's said, oh man, the church is too busy. 
Well, we are in the last days. We want to reach as many people as possible. What do we want to do? Twiddle our fingers and say, okay, let's just, uh, you know, stare at each other for a while and just twiddle our... No, there's a work to be done. There's the kingdom to be built. There's souls to be reached. We're talking about flesh and blood. We're talking about life here. Life and death is in the balance. And we need to be self-controlled and alert because we're engaged in this battle. And the enemy is looking for someone to devour. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour you. See, S. Grant once said this. The art of war is simple enough. Find out where your enemy is. Get at him as soon as you can. Strike at him as hard as you can and as often as you can and keep moving. See, instead of doing nothing, like I said a moment ago, we must strike back. We must take a stand for the Lord. We must do something. It's time that we take our stance. It's time that the men and women of God, the soldiers of the army of the Lord, that we take our place and we rise up and say, not on our watch. We will fight the enemy to the day that we die because we love those lost people more than that. Our lost family members. Anybody have family members on the way to hell? Uh, anybody got loved ones that, you know, if they were to die this morning, that we know without a doubt that we'll never see them again because they're not going to wake up in glory. Then there's too much work that still needs to be done. We don't have time to take a break. We don't have time to say, okay, I'm saved already. I'm on my way to heaven. But what about everybody else? There's still a work that needs to be done. We still got to be about the kingdom business and building the kingdom of God. We got to reach the loss at any cost. There's still work that needs to be done. And where are the workers at this morning? Where are the men and the women of God? Where are the soldiers at that want to reach those that are lost and bound? We got to reach them. We, got, we can't just, you know, start taking it easy because we're saved already and like Alan said, he gained 120 pounds. He's blessed, amen, somebody. A little overblessed. I'm right there with him, though. I'm blessed too, amen. But his is six years. This took me 20 years, amen. So I don't know what he's gonna look like in another 14 years, amen. <laughs> he's not in here. He went. He went for a walk. That's what he gets, amen. He's exercising. He went for a walk, amen, somebody. <laughs> Instead of doing nothing, we must strike back. We must take a stand for the Lord. We must do something. See, in our text, Paul gives us, like I said at the beginning, some essentials for victory in this war against the enemy. The first one is consistency in our living. Consistency in our living. Some of us in this place, that needs to be your word throughout the rest of this year. Consistency. Consistency. Consistency, the definition of that is, you know, constant. It's saying, you're, you, you, you know, you're, you're dependable, you're reliable, you're, you're going to be here. You, you know, in spite of what you go through in your marriage, you'll still stick it out. In spite of how wild your kids get, you'll still be there and encourage them. In spite of the person next to you that may just get under your skin a little bit, you're still going to be here. Consistency. Not a fair weather believer. Well, if it gets a little too hot, maybe, you know, I won't go today. 
If it's too cold out there, if it's a monsoon, I, I, I can't go out in the monsoon. If, you know, we can't live our lives like that. Thank God that when Jesus was carrying the cross, he didn't say that, oh, this is too difficult. This is too hard. Don't you know, God, that I'm bleeding? Don't you know that I got crowns smashed on my head? Don't you know that they nailed me, they pierced me, they did all this stuff? Don't you know? It was consistency even to this day. In verse 27 of our text, it says, whatever happens. Everybody say whatever. whatever. Say it like you mean it, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Hell or high water. You're still consistent. Your, 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 your outward circumstances, it doesn't depend. It's not, it doesn't matter what's taking place on the outward circumstances because God is at work on the inside. It's an inside job. Our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is at work within our lives. And because of that, we're consistent, we're dependable, we're reliable, we can be counted on, we're committed, we're sold out to the kingdom of God because we're consistent. Consistent in our living. We can't live one way in these four walls and live another way when we're at work. We can't live for a, a, a certain way when we're in these four walls and live a different way when we're in our own four walls. We can't live a, a one way in these four walls but live a different way when we're outside of these walls. We have to be consistent no matter if we're at school, if we're at work, if we're at home, if we're in the grocery store, if we're at the gas station, if we're in the hospital, wherever we're at, we're consistent because God's at work on the inside. Whatever happens, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. See, if you begin to compromise when you're outside of these four walls, what happens is that fortified, that your, your, your protection, uh, that covering that's over you, it's already been, it's already been uh, uh, broken through. The barrier's already been broken through. And because of that opening, because it's already been infiltrated, because of that, the enemy can come in any time. So that's why we have to be consistent in our living and say, it doesn't matter, man. I love God. The real me is not when I'm here at the church. The real me is wherever I'm at. I'm not one way. One way at the church and a different way at work. I'm not one way at church and a different way when I'm getting a haircut. I'm not one way when I'm serving God and worshiping God in the four walls of the church and completely different when nobody else is around. Because God is all-knowing. And He's present everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. And He sees everything. And He doesn't even listen to really what we say, but He looks at our hearts. We have to be consistent in our living. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose this day. Who are you serving today? In Pensacola, Florida, some convicted drunken drivers. Anybody ever been drunk and driving? Amen. You got arrested. You had to breathe in that thing. Start up car. Breathe first. Amen. But some convicted drunken drivers in Florida 
have been ordered to put bumper stickers on their cars asking, how's my driving? And then it goes on to say, the judge wants to know. See, the judge said, we want to influence people to correct their behavior rather than just use this as some sort of monitoring system to correct their behavior. See, the application for us is, how's my living? And the world is watching. Our conduct should be worthy of the gospel. We represent, whether you realize it or not, you represent, we represent the Lord Jesus Christ. How's your conduct record? See, we all have our days. Amen, somebody. Come on, that was your chance to say, God, oh, Pastor, God, I'm not perfect. You know, God, I'm not perfect. Pastor, you know, you're not perfect, Pastor. Come on, how many guys know we all have our days? Amen, somebody. We have those good days, we have those bad days, and man, I hate it, but we even have ugly days. But we all have our days. We're not perfect every day as much as we would like to be. But in James chapter 1, verse number 20, it says, For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. I have a poem, and it reads like this. I am my neighbor's Bible. He reads me when we meet. Today he reads me in my home. Tomorrow in the street. He may be a relative or friend or slight acquaintance be. He may not even know my name. Yet he is reading me. See, the story is told of Alexander the Great. He once met a lazy, good-for-nothing soldier in his army and asked his name. The soldier replied, Alexander, sir. Alexander the Great said, he then said, either change your name or change your ways. See, it's possible that Christ could say these words to some of us today. Either change your name as a believer, as a Christian in today's society, or change your ways. We have to be individuals that realize that we are representatives of Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. We're heirs to the throne. We're his children. We're supposed to be Christ-like, and the world is watching us. Somebody say, ouch, you got a little quiet in here, Amen. I didn't come. Last Sunday was a whole lot of hooting and hollering and jumping and shouting and praise the Lord. Today I came to give you a little something. Amen. But we need to be consistent in our living. Everybody say consistency. Consistent living for Christ is needed in order to overcome the enemy. Number two is cooperation in the church. In verse 27 of our text again, it reads, that whether... I come and you see or only hear about you in my absence. I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. Contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Stand firm in one spirit, the Bible says. Contending as one man. See, Paul is talking about cooperation in the body of Christ. See, without cooperation in God's house... Nothing great will ever be accomplished. Without cooperation, we can't pull in two different directions. Me as the pastor can't have one vision and the leadership a complete different vision. 
We can't. We have to cooperate in the church. We gotta be back to back. We gotta lock arms. We gotta be and contend for the faith. And we gotta back each other up and build the kingdom of God and build his church. Who can say praise the Lord? In 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 10, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so that there may be no division among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thoughts. See, if there were ever was a divided church, it was Corinth, the church of Corinth. You name it, and they were divided over it. Most of us would not have wanted to be members in that church. No church, though, is immune to division and disunity. But if we're going to go forward and succeed and experience growth, etc., we must pull together for the cause of Christ. There must be cooperation in order to experience victory over the enemy and to experience the growth that God has in store for us. We know the saying, united we stand, divided we fall. Beloved, we must be united together and stand against the opposition. The person next to you is not your enemy. You're not my enemy and I'm not your enemy. The leadership is not your enemy. The director of the home is not your enemy. The enemy, we have three, like I said a moment ago. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We have to realize that the devil is the one that tries to cause chaos and dissension and he wants to defeat us and devour us he wants to discourage us and disunify us we may not agree on everything but we certainly agree on Jesus right come on if you you believe in Jesus this morning come on I don't think you hear me do you really believe in Jesus you love Jesus this morning we got to come together and we got to lock arms and we got to be back to back and we got to be about our father's business and that's to build the kingdom of God. Lastly, quickly, is confident faith in the Lord. We got to have confident faith in the Lord. In verse 28 of our text, it says, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved and that by God. See, without being frightened, we must not be afraid of the enemy. I said it last Sunday, I believe. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of fear. A little bit of fear will do us a whole lot of good. There's the right kind of fear and the wrong kind of fear. We should have that reverence fear for the Lord. Sometimes we have more fear of the enemy than we do for the Lord. We got to be able to say, you know what, man, do we not know that God is the one that has the final say? Do we not know that God is the one that has the last word? We got to come in here in a reverent sphere, in the awe of God, and say, you know what, God, I'm too fearful to come to your house and not give you honor. I respect you too much. John Wesley had always thought he was a, a true Christian at one time in his early stage of his, his walk with the Lord. Until one day he was, he was on a ship and he was caught in a terrible storm in the Atlantic Ocean and, and fear gripped his heart. The people on board, however, who did not seem to be afraid were a little group of Moravian missionaries. And when the storm subsided, 
Wesley asked one of them, were you not afraid? Afraid, said the Moravian missionary. Why should I be afraid? I know Christ. Then looking at Wesley, he asked, do you know Christ? And I'm going to ask you this morning, do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? Then, then why fear the enemy? Why fear what tomorrow may bring when you know the one that holds tomorrow? There's no reason to fear. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. Do you know Christ? Do you know Christ intimately, personally? Do you talk with them on a daily basis? Do you read his word? Are you getting to know him? Are you in love with him? Do you know Christ this morning? Fear is a common factor that affects all of us in one way or another. We all fear something. What is your greatest fear? Fear of death. Fear of not having enough money to live. Fear of losing your health or your mind. Oh, some of us already did that. Amen, somebody. Some of us just lost it. Amen. But how many guys know God is able to restore? How many guys thank God that God is able to renew our minds? Come on, was I the only one that was just a little lost when I came in? <laughs> right? We come in just, you know, and that's why I don't understand what people say. I'm just going to give you a piece of my mind, Pastor. I'm like, you ain't got too many pieces left. You better keep what you got. Amen? <laughs> you better, you can't afford to give none of that away. You better keep and pray that God begins to renew what you got. Amen? You know, it's like some of our body parts. Hopefully it grows back. Amen? Just keep what you got. Don't give it out. Don't give it out. But we got to be able to say, you know what, man? There's nothing to fear but fear itself. But what are you fearful of? Losing your health and your mind? Fear of what will happen to your children? Fear of being left alone? See, all of us have fears that we have to face. Some are real and some we make more real than they really are. But fear itself is a very real thing that we all must battle. But we must have a confident faith in Christ if we're going to succeed in life and overcome the enemy, the enemy or any obstacle. See, beloved, there are many causes in our world that people speak about and they preach about and they push and they sweat for and they argue for and even die for. Most of those causes are worthless though. I believe that we have the greatest of all causes and it is the truth about all truths. We should be passionate about it and fearless in our witness of it. Because when it's all said, done, and over with, what matters most is what we did with the Lord Jesus Christ. We were willing, some of us, not all of us, some of us come from a broken background and a broken family. And some of us come from gang violence and, and a messed up life. And we were willing to die over something that really wasn't nothing. We were willing to inject into our bodies and drink certain things and do things that are unheard of. And what about now as children of the Most High God? What about now as men and women of God? Are we afraid now all of a sudden when we were gun-ho and radical about the things of the past? When is the church going to rise up and stop twiddling its fingers and tie up their bootstraps and rise up and say, I'm going to reach every individual that I come across for the honor and the glory of God. When are you going to be willing to do what's needed to reach those that are still lost and bound in our families? 
Wouldn't it be sad? Or it would be sad. And I'm guilty of it as well. How sad would it be if Jesus came back today? And some of us have family members that are on their way to hell. And we haven't given them the time of day to go over there and pray with them, to witness to them, to love them. To let them know that God's not done with them yet. That God has a purpose, a plan. That they don't have to live that lifestyle no more. Whether they're drug addicted, whether they're, they're addicted to their work, whether they're, they're, their focus and their priority in their life is just their family, which is a good thing. But even in that, when it's all said, done and over, you could be the best parent in the world. You could raise your kids in society's eyes the right way. You can never do a drug, never lie, never hurt nobody. But yet, if you don't have the Spirit of God on the inside, my friend, I'm here to tell you that you'll still end up in the wrong place. We have family members, and because they're doing good in the eyes of the society, in society's eyes, because they're not bad like some of us used to be, because they're not addicted to a vice or a substance, because they've never been arrested, not even for drinking and driving before. Because, you know, uh, they've never been divorced before. Because, you know, they sent their kids off to college. They're doing good in eyes, the eyes of society. But that's not the eye that we have to worry about. We have to worry about the eye in the sky. We got to worry about God. We got to fear that God. And we got to reverence God. Because God is the one that will have the last say so. And sometimes, if you're saved already, you can't get more saved than you are today. You can love God more. You can be more obedient to God. You can surrender completely to God. You can have God first in your life. But if you're saved and sanctified and set apart by His Spirit, you're already on your way to heaven. But what about those that are on their way to hell? We've got to be able to say, you know what, man, I'm not afraid to keep preaching to them. They can cuss me out all they want. They can tell me off all they want. They can call me all the names that they want, all they want. But I will love them all the way to heaven. I will continue to realize that God will have the last word. And if I continue to pray for them all the days of my life, I believe that one day their number will be called. Come on, think about us. Some of us, we were the black sheep of the family. Some of us, we were the outcasts in the family. Some of us, they just disowned us. They kicked us out the family. Get out of here. Don't want you around here. Don't come back. Right? Come on, was it just me? Just, just, you're better off. I remember my mom. I love my mom. She was, she, she did the best that she could with what she knew. But I remember she told me, and it hurt, man. I didn't understand it then. She was like, I feel better if you're back in prison. What do you want me locked up for, man? But now I understand it because she knew that she didn't have to worry as much if I was safe in prison. Because there was a time as a young teenager when I got shot, she's the one that took me to the hospital. There was a time as a young boy when I would, you know, just do a little bit too much drugs. Too, drugs is, doing drugs at all is too much, but, you know, we just go a little extreme. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But I had some good friends, good friends that would take me home if they didn't call the police, amen, or the paramedics. 
They would take me home and my mom would stay up with me and she would give me milk and throw water on me and put ice on me and smack. I think she loved the smacking part too much though, amen? <laughs> She'd be smacking me. Poof, don't go to sleep. I'm like, man, I'm tired. Poof, wake up. I'm like, oh man. I told them the next day when I went back out there, take me to the hospital instead, amen? <laughs> But we have to understand that, you know, it doesn't matter the lifestyle that the people come from. That we're all sinners, that we're all lost, and we're all virtually on our way to hell if we don't have the Spirit of God inside of us. And your family members may be doing good in society's eyes. They may work, hold a nine to five. They may have nice vehicles and be buying, not renting houses. They may have never smoked a cigarette before. They didn't even drink a little bit of wine. But if they never accepted and they're not serving the Lord, I'm here to tell you that their good deeds is not going to get them to heaven. And if you're a sanctified, set-apart, spirit-filled believer, it's our responsibility every chance we get to keep watering the seed. First plant the seed and keep watering it. Believing that one day that seed's going to sprout up, that that seed will grow, and that they'll be sitting next to me one day, and they'll be broken in the presence of the Lord, and they'll be serving God. And one day, we're just passing through. This is not life. We're just passing through. We're going to live for, for uh, after hereafter forever. We're going to wake up in glory, and we're going to live for all eternity. And we're going to be able to worship the Lord. We're going to be able to praise the Lord. We're going to be able to see God and be able to live in His presence. And that's what we're preparing ourselves to do here on earth. We've got to take as many people as possible with us. But fear itself is a very real thing. It's fearful sometimes. They say that public speaking is the number one fearful thing to do. How many would agree with that? If I said, okay, everybody's got to come up here and introduce themselves. Some of you would probably, I'll use the restroom, amen? <laughs> Leave your spouse here and come back in about 30 minutes, right? And take off. We're here, wheels burning out. <laughs> but there's nothing to fear but fear itself. I believe we have, like I said, the greatest causes of all. And that's to be able to let this truth that we know about Jesus out to everybody else. See, Dr. James Boyce, he said, listen to me, as Brother Danny comes, he can come by himself. Dr. James Boyce, he said this, we do not have a strong church today, nor do we have many strong Christians. We have forgotten what God is like and what he promises to do for those who trust him. Ask the average Christian to talk about God. After getting past the expected answers, you will find that his God is a little God of vacillating sentiments. He is a God who would like to save the world, but who cannot. He would like to restrain evil, but somehow he finds it beyond his power. Such a God is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not weak. He is strong. He is almighty. Nothing happens without his permission or apart from his purposes, even evil. 
Nothing disturbs him or puzzles him. His purposes are always accomplished. Therefore, those who know him rightly act with boldness, assured that God is with them to accomplish his own desirable purposes in their lives. See, we need more confidence in life and living. Living this Christian life and it'll only come when we believe in the God of heaven and believe that he has at work in our world today and even in our church this morning and that he'll do what he says he will do. Confident faith in the Lord. Essentials to victory. Consistency in our living. How is your living today? I'm not asking how good you are. I'm not asking if you've ever done drugs before, if you ever cheated on your spouse before. I'm not asking if you ever, you know, stole before, ever lied to somebody. I'm not asking if you're a mean person or a nice person. I'm asking how's your living. The Bible says if we fall short in one area, we fall short in all. You may have the most gruesome sins down where you've never committed those sins you would never think of you know perhaps never doing drugs or stealing or robbing or hurting somebody you never thought or could even imagine yourself doing something you know to that that extreme but that's not the question i'm asking you how's your living today you are what you are when nobody else is around what kind of father are you? What kind of mother are you? What kind of wife or husband are you? What kind of man or woman of God are you? How's your living? How's your living? Are you consistent in your living? Cooperation in the church? Are, are you able to, to, to you know, be unified here? Are you, are you always undermining? Are you always questioning? Uh, questioning is okay, but... Every little thing, come on now. Are, are, do you look from the positive viewpoint or is it always negative? Is, is it always critical? Is it, you know, is it from a positive eye? We need to be unified. I believe, I know, listen to me. I know with all my heart that God wants to do something awesome in this church. I know with all my heart, like, it, like I know... The air that I breathe, I'm breathing, I'm alive and I'm well. I know without a doubt that God wants to do something awesome right here in this church. I know it. But I also know, hear me now. I also know it's not going to happen unless we're unified. Unless we're one in mind and in spirit. Unless we have the same vision. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's the first two greatest commandments. It's to love God and love others. If we continue to love God and love others, the walls of dissension and disunity will come down. The division will have to flee. If we love God and love others, I'm here to tell you that God wants to pour out. He wants to do something awesome. He wants to do the miraculous, but he needs a people that are one.
I don't think you hear me. I don't think you believe me. I know it's it's right there. God has a way of of dealing with me. Sometimes I'm not open to my wife like I should be. Sometimes I'm not open to my kids like I should be. Sometimes I'm not open even to my pastor like I should be. But when that happens, God has a way of getting his message across. And he's been showing me. And he's been dealing with me. And he's been telling me. If we continue to just love him. Put all our differences aside. Yes, in our human nature, we're, we're fallible beings. We're not perfect. If you're looking for a perfect pastor, if you're looking for a perfect church, you're in the wrong place. And you're never going to find it. Just like you're never going to be perfect. But if you're looking for a place, if you're looking for a place where you can sense the presence of God, if you're looking for a place that just wants to teach people to, to love God and to love others, all I want, all I want in life is to see people's lives changed. That's it. I've had... I've had nice things and I still got nice things. But one thing you'll never have to realize, you'll never have to never have to think about is things will never have me. I'm not in this. If I was trying to get money, this is not the business to be in. Come on, look around this, amen. <laughs> this is not the business to be in. But I'm in this because there's nothing more rewarding. To see families restored. To see gang members set free, convicts set free, drug addicts delivered. Come on, if you fit in that category, there's nothing more rewarding. You can't put a price tag. There's nothing more rewarding than to see somebody come in broken. And they come in and you know that everybody's given up on them. You know that life has given up on them. Family has given up on them. They've even given up on themselves. Society's given up on them. The system has given up on them. But they come in here and they're broken and they're like, you know what, man, this is my last resort. I'm at the end of myself. God, if you don't show up, if you don't do something, I don't even know if I want to live no more. And you can sense it. If you're a man or a woman of God, you can sense when people come in like that. And then you see them and you pray with them, you encourage them, you lead them to the Lord. And then they come back and you see them, they start worshiping God. They start coming to the altar and they start building a relationship with God. And then you start, you see life in them all of a sudden. They're able to smile. They're able, you know, to be broken in the presence of God. And they're able to jump and shout and praise God. Then you see them. They're excited. They're in love with God. 
They got something new. They want to show it all off. They got this new relationship with God. And they go and they tell everybody. They tell their family. And the next thing you see is their family's coming. The next thing you see, they got more family coming. And they got more family coming in. They bring this excitement to work. They bring this excitement to school. And everywhere they go, they're just being a good testimony of what God is able to do. And that's the reward of what we do. Our treasures are not here on earth. They're in heaven. If you want treasures here on earth, this is not the way to get them. God will provide all your needs. And he knows what you can handle. And when you get a strong relationship with God and he knows that you're faithful in the little, then he'll begin to pour out more. And he knows he'll be faithful with much. And if you're able to handle it, he'll give you that. But this is not the place for that. This is a place where you have the greatest feeling. There's no drug. There's no alcohol. There's no sex, excuse the terminology, that will give you a better feeling than what God is able to give you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Consistency in our living, cooperation in the church, and confident faith in the Lord. Why don't we all stand? I just feel a real strong presence of the Lord in this place. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how your living is. I don't know how your cooperation is. I don't I don't know these things. I don't know. I don't know where you're at. But I do know that God is in this place. He's in this place. He's in this place. Got to be confident of knowing that fact that he's in this place. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to have you do it from your seat. If you say, you know what, man, I want to surrender my life completely to the Lord. Just lift your hands. I want to say, you know what, man, I, I, want, I want Jesus. I want, I want more of Jesus. Just lift your hands. All those hands that are lifted, just repeat this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you right now. Father, I've sinned, and I ask that you forgive me. I believe you died on that cross, but most importantly, you rose on the third day. I pray and I ask that you would resurrect me here this morning, that from this day on, I would serve you. I would love you and do all you've called me to do. I accept you and I commit my life to you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. These altars are open if you want to come and spend a few moments with the Lord.